In this episode of Flying Smarter, I start by talking about why it might look like your plane has duct tape on it. Then, for the main segment, I continue my chat with Dave Grossman in the second part of my conversation with him about points and miles. Welcome to episode 28 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel to help you become a smarter and savvier traveler. Let's get started. Why does the plane I'm flying on have duct tape on its wings? You may have looked out of your airplane window before or at your plane from the terminal window and seen what looks like duct tape on the aircraft. It most certainly was not duct tape though. Rather, what you would have seen is something called speed tape. While there's no doubt that it looks like regular household duct tape, it's very different. Speed tape is an aluminum-based material that is very durable and can withstand high speeds, wide temperature ranges, and harsh weather. It's used for minor temporary repairs, such as when paint peels on the wings or when there's a bit of weathering to a part of the plane. The aircraft is still perfectly safe to fly, and speed tape is sometimes used simply to prevent further weathering or damage. Even though it is used for minor repairs that don't affect the structural integrity or airworthiness of the aircraft, the use of speed tape is still tightly controlled. In the United States, for example, airlines have to outline approved uses of the tape in their maintenance manuals, which subsequently have to be approved by the Federal Aviation Administration, the civil aviation government regulator in the U.S. Did you know that some airlines have rear-facing seats? Some business class cabins out there have some seats that face the back of the plane. In the United States, American Airlines has rear-facing seats on some of their Boeing 787 Dreamliners, and United Airlines has some on some of their Boeing 777-200s. British Airways' older business class, also known as Club World, also has some seats that face the rear of the plane. All Nippon Airways, Etihad Airways, and Qatar Airways also have rear-facing business class seats. I really enjoy bringing Flying Smarter to you. As you can probably tell, I'm super passionate about the world of air travel and I love sharing this passion with you. I could really use your help with growing and improving the podcast though and I have an easy and free way for you to do so. If you enjoy listening to Flying Smarter and have been able to learn from the podcast, please help me out by leaving a 5-star review on your podcast app. It helps grow the audience as well as convince guests that the show is worth their time to come on to share their knowledge and insights with you. If you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods, I would really appreciate it if you could take a minute to leave a positive 5-star review for the podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Today's main segment is a second part of my conversation with Dave Grossman, the founder of Miles Talk, which is a website with the latest on how to best earn and spend credit card rewards, frequent flyer miles, and hotel points. If you haven't listened to the first part of my chat with him in episode 27, I highly suggest you go do that first. Dave is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to points and miles, and in addition to running Miles Talk, 
He has held seminars at South by Southwest and the New York Times Travel Show, and has written a book called Miles Talk, Live Your Wildest Travel Dreams Using Points and Miles. Now, let's get into the second portion of my talk with Dave. Now, you've talked a lot about credit cards, and you have a whole website dedicated to helping people find the right credit cards. So what are the main considerations? So first, you want to think about if you want to play the points game at all, Mm -hmm. right? There are people that, this sounds great, but they don't want to put any effort into it whatsoever. And it's a a game that's really not going to pay off if you don't put any effort into it. Um, There is a skill to it. And just like any hobby, for instance, you you're not going to do very well if you never practice. You're not going to be a great chess player if you don't even want to learn the rules of chess, right? Um, So those people should just get a cashback card. And the key to if you are just going to get a cashback card is to get a 2% cashback card or better. Um, Occasionally, you can find better. But usually, 2% is sort of the gold standard. City double cash, for example, flat 2%. And what's nice about the city custom uh, double cash is if you later decided you wanted to get into the points game, you could add a city premier and that will make all of your points on the double cash suddenly transferable points in addition to being worth cash. Um, so assuming you are willing to pay, play the points game, you want to pick one um, currency to start off with. And I always recommend Chase uh, just because I feel like they are the easiest, right? Like they, they're, they're, everything on their website is very intuitive. The transfers are all one-to-one. The transfers are mostly all instant. Um, They have good partners. It's not overwhelming. They don't provide you with traps of how to accidentally waste your points. Uh, For instance, American Express, there's a lot of ways you can spend for only 0.7 cents, whereas Chase, you can't go below a penny. Um, And and Citi has really uh, really good thank you partners, but none of them are domestic airlines, and that doesn't make it a good first choice for most people, despite the power of some of these partners like Turkish Airlines, where you can fly from New York to Honolulu in business class for 12,500 miles, which is insane. Um, but you need to learn all of these nuances. So it's not going to be your first program. Right. So, so, so sorry to go on about, so how you're, how you're choosing. So um, I, the first thing that I like people to do is get a pair of cards. So a minimum pair of cards. And that can mean a couple of things. Generally, to me, that means that you want to get cards that pair with each other uh, such that one card makes the other card more valuable. Great example of that is a Chase Sapphire Preferred and a Chase Freedom Unlimited. So if you have a Chase Sapphire Preferred card, you get all those bonus categories that it offers, like the three times on dining. But for anything that doesn't have a bonus category, you can put that on your unlimited card and get one and a half cents where you would only get one cent uh, if you were putting it on the preferred. So your, your no fee card, the unlimited is actually earning better on non-bonus spend. On the flip side, if you only had the unlimited, you'd earn one and a half cents on everything, but you'd have no higher bonus categories and the points aren't transferable because chase points are only transferable if you have a, one of the ultimate rewards cards with an annual fee. And there are only three of those. Those are the Uh, Chase Sapphire Prefer, Chase Sapphire Reserve, or the Chase Inc. Business Preferred. So that's what I call a card combo. Um, And that that both cards make the other one more valuable. The other one is starting off with two cards 
that cover most of your bonus categories. So you might actually wind up getting a, an Amex Gold for four times on supermarkets and four times on dining because that's most of your spend. And then maybe you supplement that with a city custom cash because 90% of the rest of your spend is on gas and up to $500 a month, you can get 5% back on that. Um, so, or you might get a double cash for 2% on everything that you're not putting on your Amex goal. There are so many different ways to card combo um, to make sure that you're maxing out both the value proposition of a card. So if it's a card that, that has features unlocked by another card, like the points become transferable, um, or if it's just to balance out bonus categories or to make sure that you've got a good default card when there's not a bonus category. As you get more into this, you will wind, you will probably want to have three to five cards. Um, and, and when I do, when I do um, events like South by Southwest or like the, the New York travel show, and I ask people how many cards they have, three to five tends to be a pretty good sweet spot. There are a lot of people that only have one, they, one card is it, that's all they're willing to have. And then there's always a few people that raise their hands, uh, you know, if they've got more than 20 cards or something like that. There is a myth that opening more credit cards hurts your credit score. So uh, do you want me to address that now? Because that's going to come up. Yeah, I was going, the <laughs> next thing I was actually going to, I was going to be, well, there's a bit of apprehension among some people when they're, when they're opening credit cards because they're worried about either credit score or being able to use it responsibly. Yeah. And I was going to ask what your advice was uh, to, to address those concerns. So I, I, I love that you asked the second part of that. So I'll address that first. Um, travel rewards credit cards have the absolute worst interest rates. So if you are not someone that can pay off your bill in full every single month, don't start. Don't get this. Don't do this at all. Um, if you've got a balance, I would probably suggest that you get a really good balance transfer card, something that will give you 15, 18. Actually, I think there's one right now that gives 21 months of zero interest on a balance transfer and pay that down, get to zero, get to know that you're not going to start carrying a balance again on these new cards. And then you can start on it. But otherwise, just focus on the lowest interest cards and paying it off as fast as possible. So that's a really important thing. Um, and it also, you know, it, it, the fact that that's a question, right? I love that it doesn't imply that most people are bad with a credit card, right? You just need to know if you are someone that's responsible with the credit card or not. Um, I often think about a time that I got into a little feud with Dave Ramsey on Twitter uh, because his philosophy is no credit cards. And I'm like, well, if you know that you're responsible, you've got tons of money in the bank, you're on auto pay, you're paying off in full every month and you can earn 2% rewards, how is that not the fiscally responsible thing to do? So he's, he's right when it comes to someone that's not going to be able to be responsible. But if you are, you're absolutely leaving a minimum of 2% on the table. And over many years, you spend a lot of dollars. And so you would not want to give that up. So that second part first. Um, and then the second, the first part um, is that as long as you don't open cards too quickly, right? You want to pace them out. I like to say in someone's first year, maybe four cards um, spaced out like once a quarter. Um, you find your own rhythm for, for it but you don't want to just start doing like five cards a month because eventually the banks are going to stop approving you. 
because um, they're going to think that you're a risk. Why, why do you suddenly need so much credit so fast? They don't think about it in terms of you want the credit card points, right? So, um, so go in slowly. And what you will find is that on your credit score, uh, generally, so all other factors aside, assuming you've done nothing else, you're not also applying for car loans and other things at the same time that are affecting your credit. Opening a car generally drops your credit by about seven to 10 points. That's what I found anyway. That's not a golden rule, but about seven to 10 points for a few weeks. And then it comes right back. The key is having low utilization. And what's interesting is the more credit cards you get, the more credit line you have. And assuming your spend stays the same, your utilization is lower, which actually improves your credit score. So if you go slow and steady and you build up a, a nice line of credit, and you're not spending any more than you were before, gradually your credit score should actually rise rather than fall. Assuming also, by the way, assuming on-time payments, right? And, and all of that. And, but we're already talking about people paying in full. Right. No, that's super helpful. And I think uh, those are sort of two of the big concerns out there when people hear, oh, open a bunch of credit cards. I think those are some of the questions that come up right away, right? Especially the credit score one. hundred percent. I want to switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit about your experiences. Um, you've done a lot of flying over the years, obviously. Uh, how, how, how did you get started in the points and miles world in the first place? So that's a, that's a great question that I, I love to tell the story of. Um, so it was, it was 2003 and Starwood Preferred Guests, which, you know, rest in peace are now part of Marriott. Uh, there was a mistake rate at a hotel in Bora Bora called the Bora Bora Nui. And they, um, I had just started, by the way, I had just started reading Flyer Talk. I was just, I guess I, I had liked to travel and I wanted to learn more about this kind of world, but I hadn't yet earned any points. And after this mistake fair, uh, so there was, I think it was a $1,200 room, an overnight, you know, an overwater bungalow. And um, they mispriced it at $120. So I booked 10 nights and I, and I told my girlfriend at the time, we're going to Bora Bora. And she's like, what the heck do you mean we're going to Bora Bora? And I'm like, I just booked us 10 nights in an overwater villa for $1,200. So I, we should go. And we're all excited until I got a very formal letter in the mail from the Bora Bora and we canceling the reservation stating that they were not going to honor that rate, that we were welcome to book at full price, but they were gonna give uh, me 5,000 star points for the trouble. So now I suddenly actually had points. <laughs> and now that I actually had points, I wanted to know what I could do with those points. So I learned a little bit about the Starred program and I opened a credit card. I got some bonus points. I figured out that um, at the time they had a very, very, very sweet, sweet spot where you could get a suite for just like 15% more points than a regular room. Um, and it was rather crazy. So if, if it was a category four for 10,000 points, you get a full suite for 20,000 points, but you could get a, like a junior suite for maybe 11,500 points. And those were the best uses of star points in the world. And so I did wind up taking that ex-girlfriend to uh, Monte Carlo and we stayed in the Le Meridian Monte Carlo in a 1400 euro or so a night room with a butler and a view of the water. Wow. Uh, and it came with all sorts of perks because it was an upgraded room. Like we got free parking, 
and free buffet breakfast and I mean in Monte Carlo this stuff's hundreds of mm-hmm. euros and for no reason mm-hmm. um so the, the the total value was just it was definitely more than 10 cents per point and after that trip I became a flyer talk not I read every page every thread um I mean there'd be hundreds of pages and I just wanted to know everything about everything and over time I learned all of the rules of all of the major programs you know like if you're trying to do this on American Airlines and the agent doesn't know how to do it. If you just tell them this, then they can look it up and then they can punch the right keys and, oh, they can actually make it happen. Um, So it became a game to me. And I like games. I like trying to master games. And if I get into one, and there aren't many in my life that I've gotten really into, but this is one, and I just set out to learn everything that I could. And once you build that foundation, and anyone can still build a foundation without reading 5,000 threads on Fire Talk, it becomes so much easier to add on. And through the years, have you had any particularly memorable wins or, uh, or redemptions? It's so many. I've had so many that it's really, it's, it's hard when I do an interview to pick out the ones that are my favorites, but, um, but, uh, but a few. So obviously that one to Monte Carlo is one of my favorites. Um, I took my now wife to the W Maldives a few years ago, and that was one of my very favorite stays ever, Um, both because it was during the Marriott transition from Starwood and everything was being priced at 60,000 points, which was an incredible deal. Um, We also took that opportunity to go to Al Maha outside of Dubai, which is an amazing resort. And then we we wound up in the Maldives. We actually went on to Singapore from there, Um, but the five nights at the W Maldives was the best stay that I've ever had anywhere. Um, only sort of rivaled by a stay we just had a couple of months ago at the Waldorf Astoria Pedregal in Los Cabos using five Hilton Free Night Award certificates. So I guess that, that uh, well, let, let's make a quick note to come back to, to some of the credit card perks um, like Free Night certificates. But a couple of my other favorite redemptions would be Japan Airlines First Class, which was an amazingly plush seat and bed and the food was they had grade a4 a5 wagyu on board they had a hundred dollar bottle of tea um i had two of those and then they had salon champagne that runs i think about five hundred dollars a bottle and they're very liberal with it so that was really amazing um first you know my favorite redemptions have, have all been first class right like jl first class Qantas first class um, all of these long haul Singapore airlines, they have an amazing, their, their sweets product. Um, I just rode the new sweets from Frankfurt to New York to try them out. And, um, just amazing. I mean, these experiences are so over the top, the Etihad apartments. Um, we actually got 19 hours in the Etihad apartments because we got diverted on our flight <laughs> due to a bomb cyclone snowstorm, and then actually got to ride on it again the next day from DC back to New York. Um, so these are just so memorable. And then on the hotel side, um, you know, Ventana Big Sur, like I said, the W Maldives and and the Waldorf Astoria that we just stayed at. I mean, these are hotels that they're all over a thousand dollars a night and I would never pay over a thousand dollars a night. I just, I, I wouldn't like, I'd like to use that money for more tangible things. Um, but yeah, these experiences are just amazing. And, um, I mean, I'll just touch on on how we stayed at the Waldorf 
Um, there are a, a handful of Hilton credit cards and the top tier Hilton Aspire credit card comes with an annual free night certificate. You can use it anywhere in the world with just a few exceptions. And it doesn't matter how expensive the hotel is. So even if it's 150,000 points a night, which is your maximum, if there's a standard room available, you can book it. And so if you're, if you're a couple, you can actually accrue many of these in a year. Um, you can each have a, a, an Aspire card. And then you can each have, say, a surpass card where for 15000 spent, you get a free night certificate. So if you each had those two cards and you spent the 15000 you have four nights to go spend anywhere, just anywhere. And there's also, you know, Hilton, besides Waldorf Astoria, they've brought, they, they have this uh, newer brand LXR that's really luxurious. Um, so you can really treat yourself. Wow, well, you've definitely had some uh, amazing experiences using points and miles. Uh, maybe I'll ask the flip side of that question then. Have you ever had any particularly memorable mistakes you've made or things that you wish you've done differently when you look back? You know, they're really, they're really small. Um, you know, I was, I was never someone that made the mistake of using points for gift cards. Um, that's usually everybody's big mistake story, right? Like they had a million Amex points and they cashed them all out for for, you know, $7,000 worth of gift cards or something like that. And um, that always hurts to hear, but I, I never personally did that. I think sometimes I'll, I'll get frustrated when I don't know if I want to transfer points from one program or another. And I finally decide, oh, okay, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to transfer from these. And then I don't have very many of those points. And then there's some really amazing deal that comes out that I need those points for. I'm like, why did I do that? Um, but no, for the most part, I, I, I would say to a fault, I overanalyze every redemption. Um, I, I, I spend way too much time on it. And, you, you know, some people will say like, you know, you probably earn more if you were working all the time you spent trying to get all the free stuff. And, and I love when someone says that because I say, but then I wouldn't have the fun of figuring out how to get the free stuff. I mean, you know, it, there are a lot of people like me that just, we, it's like loving the chase, right? People, that, you know, in dating, that they love the chase. I love chasing the awards almost as much as I like taking the trips, right? Because like when you score that Qatar Q Suites or you score that Singapore first class or Qantas first class, I mean, I, I was able to go in first class to Australia all the way from New York over Christmas time. I mean, there is no harder award to get than that. And I, I stalked and I was stalking over multiple dates. And, you know, I, I think I even had an expert flyer alert for it, but I happened to check before the alert even notified me. And, uh, you know, it's a game. It's a game. I love the passion you have for it and, uh, and, and the way you describe how, how much fun and, and how, how, it is, how it really is a game to you. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and by the way, being able to do this as part of my career is just amazing mm -hmm. because it is so much fun. And I love when I, when I, when I can light that, you know, sort of make that light bulb go off for someone and they go and play on that first trip and then they come back and they're like, Holy cow. You know, like, I don't want to use the melodies as the end all be all. It, it's, it's one great destination. There's plenty of great destinations, but you know, somebody goes, uh, Hey, I just booked my honeymoon. We're flying Emirates business class. Uh, we're staying at the the Ritz Carlton in the Maldives, and you know, I never thought we could ever afford anything close to this, right? That's that makes me feel amazing, right? It's 
it's it's just one little tiny piece of what I feel all the time when I'm doing this. But then they're inspired to do more of it and have more experiences that they wouldn't have otherwise had. And so it's it's actually an oddly fulfilling quote unquote job. Dave Grossman is the founder and editor of Miles Talk, a website that is dedicated to helping people learn more about airline miles, credit card points, and other rewards programs to help optimize their benefits. You can find Miles Talk at milestalk.com. As well, you can find Dave's data-driven tool to help consumers answer the question of which credit card is best for them at yourbestcreditcards.com. In the coming months, he's going to be launching Your Best Credit Cards 2.0, an all-new version of the tool with lots of new bells and whistles, so keep an eye out for when that comes out soon. Dave is also the author of the book, Miles Talk, Live Your Wildest Dreams Using Miles and Points, which was recently updated for its second edition. You can also find Dave and Miles Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, I'll include links to all those in the episode description. Well, thank you so much for being here, Dave. I really appreciate it, and it was truly a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate you having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. If you're enjoying Flying Smarter, please take a minute to leave a five-star review for the show if you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods. It helps convince prospective listeners and guests, and I would really appreciate your help. That brings us to the end of this episode of Flying Smarter. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.